Well, you said 19, and I, I feel like I'm getting older. Like, I, no, no, I'm not 20 yet, but I just feel old. Um, of course, I'm going to move my stand back. How's everyone doing this morning? Good. Uh, let me get set up. Y'all know how I am. I like my stand. Well, like Miss Joyce said, Pastor Jason's down in Pensacola today, and you know, I'm just humbled and excited and honored to have the opportunity to speak to you today. Um, just a little bit of a food for thought. If you're ever wondering something to call Pastor Jason, call him, and I have not checked with him beforehand, so I, if, this is, if this is not going to be something that he likes, don't say this, but a good nickname for him is PB&J, okay? PB and J. You've got pastor, you've got bishop, but you've also got Jason. It's like three different personalities in one. I mean, he's a, he's a man of all, he's a jack of all trades. Um, but anyways, no, I'm so glad and so humbled and thankful to have the opportunity to just preach the, or, uh, the word of the Lord this morning. Um, every time I do this, I, I, I get very nervous. You know, it's easy to get nervous up here. Um, but the Lord's strength is what supplies us and what sustains us and is what empowers us to go out and to proclaim his word. Um, so if you've got your Bibles this morning, turn with me to the book of Proverbs. Fun fact, a Proverbs a day keeps the enemy away. Boy, that was a good rhyme. A proverb a day sustains, no, okay, never mind, I'm done rhyming. <laughs> okay, so we're going to go to Proverbs 4 and we're going to start here in verse 23. Or 20, verse 20 right here. So it says this. It says, My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. And it says this. It says, Above all else, to guard your heart. For everything that you do flows from it. So one of the things that this verse begins to show us, and one of the things that we can take from it, is just how important the intake of Scripture is for our life. It says it right here. It says, above, or, for they are life to those who find them, and health to one's whole body. So the word of the Lord, when we begin to intake it, when we, when we begin to understand it for what it is, for the transformation that it can have on our lives, then it begins to strengthen us. It begins to nurture us as it as it shows us, it's health to our body. That just as Jesus said in Matthew 4, man cannot live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. So the word of the Lord strengthens us. It nurtures us to be able to sustain us to do what God has called us to do. And so in verse 23, we see this. It says, above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. So the word guard there, it's a five-letter word, one, two, three, four, five. But it's a really important word that I think sometimes, and I can just speak from me, that we take um, lightly sometimes that, you know, we know that we're supposed to be on alert from the enemy. We know that we're supposed to be guarding ourselves from his tactics and from his lies and from his deception but we don't have a battle plan to do just that. And so what the Lord wants to speak to us today, and as I begin to prepare this message, the Lord did a mighty work in my heart because I needed this message um, mightily. But it's to guard our hearts from what is impure. It's to guard our hearts from what has the ability 
to crumble us from within. So it says, guard your heart, for everything that you do flows from it. So what does, what does the word guard mean? I mean, we know the word guard. We know a general concept of it means to preserve. It means to protect. It means to set, set it in stone so where it make sure, to make sure things do not get away. The word guard means more than just to you know, pretend that, okay, I'm just supposed to be filling myself with the word, but it's to guard my heart so that what I'm taking in is something that's not going to be let out. It's what I'm taking in is go ultimately going to flow out outside of my actions. So everything that I do will flow from what I take in. So that's why I believe, and that's why you know, the Lord commands us to be take, intakers of his scripture, to be intakers of his word, to be those who are not only just read his word just so we can check off our little daily uh, app Bible plan, but to be transformed so that the, in the things that we do, in the things that we say, and how we perceive others, that what, at, what happens from that is the action that flows from such is one that is from a heart that is intaken with Scripture. Um, okay, water break. Can't do my coffee break because I don't like coffee. But anyways, so the Lord kind of gave me this title for the message. Now, mind you, I am not creative at one bit. Like the creative, Andy's shaking his head right now. Like the creative one is like right, like my brother right there. There's, I don't have many creativity skills, so this is straight from the Lord. But he kind of gave me, gave me this title for this message, which is called Construct the Wall, Guard the Gate. It's Construct the Wall, Guard the Gate. Um, a few years ago, me and Dad were building, or we used to work a lot together. Um, not, now not anymore, obviously, because we've got two different jobs. But we were working on a fence together, just you know, building a wood picket fence. Now, I don't know about you, but my 13-year-old mind at the time did not see the meaning of building a fence. Like, it, it, I just did not understand. Like, do you ever have those why moments in your life where you just question anything and everything? Why am I doing this? Why, why are things like this? Why does she need 20 pairs of shoes? Why does he need 10, 10 tape measures? Like, you have those why moments in your life. I mean, you, you just question anything and everything. Like, if he, if, he, if he didn't get it right with nine tape measures, he ain't going to get it right with ten. But anyways, so I had that why moment in my life, which is like, why are we building a fence? Like, it just doesn't make sense. The thing's going to deteriorate anyways. Um, it's cutting down on your guard size. I just don't understand. I'm just here for you to pay me, Dad, and let's move on. So, but I had that why moment, and looking back on it, I, I think to myself, I'm like, why did I have that why moment? But anyways... Growing older and a little bit of wisdom, not much, but growing older, I can look back on that and see that there was a purpose in us building this fence for the client. That there was a purpose in putting the fence up because ultimately you know, she actually had a dog. And so what happened was when the dog was enclosed inside of the fence, then what, was tr what would have tried to get to it, imagine your fence right here, get this, this side, this side, this side, dog right here, then the dog was protected from what ultimately could have the ability to infiltrate it had the fence not been built. You see, the fence served as a protection for the dog. Whether the dog knew it or not, probably didn't, 
but the fence served as protection to anything that could have been vulnerable or anything that could have attacked the dog. But the fence also had a gate. You know, if you've got a fence, I'm not a fence builder, but I do know this. If you've got a fence, you've probably got to have an access point. But the fence has a gate. The fence has an access point to where the owner, the one in authority, has, has the authority to allow what they want inside, what would be beneficial to the dog's health inside, and to not let what would be detrimental to its health inside. So the owner has authority over what they allow inside of the, fen- or the fence through the power of unlocking or locking the gate. So for our lives today, and for me and you, and for anyone who may be watching, the power that we have to be on guard against the enemy's schemes can only come when we realize that we have to guard that gate to our hearts. You see, it says it right here. It says, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. So if we're not guarding ourselves from what is vulnerable, which is the the tactics of the enemy, what does John 10.10 say? That the thief comes to what? Steal, to kill, and destroy. If we're not guarding ourselves from those tactics, then eventually those tactics will try to creep the, or creep their way in. It's kind of like a creak in the door, or like a creep in the door, not a creep, but like a creak in the door to where the enemy tries to slip in because we haven't chosen to guard ourselves against such. And so it's important for you and I to begin to understand that the importance of guarding our hearts against the enemy's tactics, of, guard, of beginning to build our spiritual wall against the enemy's tactics, beginning to build our spiritual walls against whatever his deception and whatever his lies may be trying to infiltrate us with, and to be always guarding the gate to our hearts. So if we're talking about building a wall, then what other story to go to than the story of Nehemiah? So the story of Nehemiah rebuilding the wall provides us with some answers that I believe the Lord wants to speak to us in today, um, that I believe he wants us to take some things from this story and begin to apply them to our lives today. So there were many things that Nehemiah did in preparation for um, during the process and after building the wall that I believe God wants us to use today to begin to be able to guard our hearts against the enemy's schemes. Um, So we're going to go to Nehemiah 2. And I don't know why, but I guess every time I preach at this church, I like preaching on walls. Because last time I preached on the walls of Jericho falling down, and this time we're talking about building walls up. Um, But anyways, Nehemiah chapter 2, and just a little bit of pre-context. I mean, most of us have heard of the story of Nehemiah, um, and most of us know of it. But in Nehemiah chapter 1, the, you know, the walls of Jerusalem have came tumbling down. They've, they've crumbled and fallen. And Nehemiah is distraught by this. He, he is, it, the Bible even tells us he is in dismay over this. He mourns and he weeps for days. And he fasts and calls out to the Lord in prayer for the forgiveness of the Israelites' sins. So we see God grants this request. And in Nehemiah 2, God, or Nehemiah asked God to send him to rebuild the wall. And so we see Nehemiah go to the king and ask him for this request, and the king grants that request. So we pick up in verse 11 here, which says this. It says, After I arrived in Jerusalem and had been there for three days, I got up at night and took a few men with me. Okay, 
I'm, I'm just reading this now, but like, I just feel like it's cool that like, he, I can just imagine Nehemiah just laying on his bed or laying on whatever they slept on and just getting up in the middle of the, middle of the night and just acting on what God had told him to do and what God had placed inside of his heart to do. Like, if, I, if I'm just in Nehemiah's, if, if I'm in Nehemiah's um, steps, I'm just thinking to myself, I'm like, huh, you know, I'm going to go do that. But it says, I didn't tell anyone what my God had laid on my heart to do for Jerusalem. The only animal I took was the one I was riding. I went out at night through the valley gate toward the serpent's well and the dung gate, and I inspected the walls of Jerusalem that had been broken down and its gates that had been destroyed by fire. So the first thing that Nehemiah did, before he could even begin to build the wall up, was that he inspected the walls that had been broken down. That For any good builder in here, and don't look at me because I am not one, um, I'm, I'm what you call, I guess, a gopher. Which I go, I, I guess I go and get the tools, and you know that's my job. I do a good job of it, but don't ask me to like nail anything because it does not turn good. But for any good builder, the first thing that they have to do before they get on the job and before they start building something is that they have to examine and inspect and make a game plan of what they're going to build. So for Nehemiah, the first thing he did before he even began to rebuild the wall was that he inspected the walls that had been broken down. And so the word inspected here, right here, I, th- I believe God wants us to begin to inspect our hearts. That this word inspected doesn't just apply to Nehemiah's, Nehemiah's, um, what do you call it, Pro- or Nehemiah's problem at the time or Nehemiah's goal, but it also applies to our life as well. So I believe for you and I, what God wants us to do, what he desires for us to do is to begin to identify our vulnerabilities, is to identify our vulnerabilities. One of the biggest things that we can do and one of the biggest things that God wants us to do is to identify where we're weak, is to identify where we're struggling in is to identify areas in which we haven't received breakthrough yet. It's to identify areas in which we just need, we, we always need the Lord's strength. Can I get an amen? Amen. But there are certain areas in our lives, there are certain areas in our lives today that we need to call out to the Lord and to ask him to strengthen us even more in. Because we all have vulnerabilities. You know, for, me and you, for me, mine may be different than yours. For you, yours may be different from mine. But for each and every one of us, we all have these vulnerabilities. We all have these insecurities. We all have something that has the ability that when it's allowed to sit in our hearts, has the ability to crumble us down. So if we don't identify that, if we choose to put it aside, if we choose to say, okay, I'll just deal with you whenever the time comes to deal with you, then what happens is that we remain unaware and unfocused on where we need to grow. We remain unfocused on what we need to obtain in order so that we may grow. You see, the enemy knows where we struggle in the most. He already knows what our insecurities are. So what's he going to do when he attacks us? He's going to pinpoint 
where we're most vulnerable and attack there first. I mean, it's one of his tactics. It's, it's, his, it's, his, it's his tactic of deception. And so if Tanner does not recognize where he's vulnerable in, then ultimately what he's vulnerable in, the enemy's going to come and attack. And when the enemy attacks, Tanner falls to his deception. He falls into temptation. And so for you and I, it's important that we recognize those vulnerabilities because it's in recognition of them that the, that the desire to begin to change in that comes. The desire to change in whatever we're desiring to change in has to be fed with a devotion to change, obviously, because I can desire to change something, but if I don't have the devotion to change it, then it's not going to change. But if I recognize it, if I call it out for what it is, if I'm like Nehemiah and I recognize where we need to build first and where we need to begin to understand more of how to build it, then I begin to build myself up in the word of the Lord. Then I begin to build myself up in prayer. Then I begin to build myself up in meditating on his word day and night. You know, Ephesians 5 talks about how we're to be imitators of Christ, and we're to be imitators and walk with him in each and every single thing that we do. But if I'm not recognizing where I'm vulnerable in or where I'm struggling in, then ultimately I'm going to fall short of that because I'm, I'm allowing my vulnerability to remain in a place of which I'm seeing stagnant growth. So, one of the biggest things for you and I to do is to recognize and identify our vulnerabilities. So, that's the first thing. Um, Nehemiah goes on to say, I think in verse 17 or 16, the officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing, for I had not yet told the Jews, priests, nobles, officials, or the rest of those who would be doing the work. So I said to them, you see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned. Come, let's rebuild Jerusalem's wall so that we will no longer be a disgrace. So this Paul's right there. Nehemiah identified where they needed to start. He identified the rubble that had occurred and that there was nothing left because the walls had been had crumbled down. So once he identified where he needed to start, then he was able to start doing the process of rebuilding. You see, it says, you see, you see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in, in ruins and its gates have been burned. So identifying where they needed to start led them to the place of actually starting. It says, come, let's rebuild Jerusalem's wall so that we will no longer be a disgrace. Verse 18 says this. It says, I told them how the gracious hand of my God had been on me and what the king had said to me. They said, let's start rebuilding, and their hands were strengthened to do this good work. So, once again, the identification of where they remained vulnerable in, because in the time in the, that they were present in, if the walls would have just remained crumbled down and not built upon, then they would have continued to remain vulnerable to the, the, the uh, what do you call them, the vulnerabilities 
of the times. You see, because Jerusalem or the people back then were not good people. And so the, the influences back then were not good influences. And so if the wall was not built, then the influences would have come in. And so it says, let's start rebuilding. And their hands were strengthened to do this good work. So one of the, thing, one of the other things we have to do in our lives to begin to construct walls, to begin to construct walls against the enemy is to actually construct the walls themselves. You see, because I don't know about you, but for me sometimes I'll recognize areas that I might need to grow in, but kind of just like sweep it under the rug and just say like, okay, I'm just going to focus on that later or I'm going to try to grow in that later. But what God wants for you and I is to begin to construct those walls as soon as we see a vulnerability. Because ultimately, what we don't confront is not going to change. It's, it's something that when, we, when I just sweep it under the rug and I just say, okay, I'm going to focus on that later, then I'm never going to change that because I'm unwilling to confront it. That what's not confronted will not become changed. And building the wall, building the wall with the word of the Lord in our hearts, building the wall with prayer that begins to impact and change us from the inside out, begins to stir a desire within my heart and in your heart that it becomes, the word of the Lord becomes something that it's not just knowing more about Christ, but it's not just in a sense knowing more about him, but it's how we can be transformed through it so that the, act, so that the actions that stem from our hearts be ones that begin to bear fruit, the, the fruit of the Spirit. And so building the wall in our lives through prayer, through the word, through meditating on his word day and night, comes with a decision that has been predetermined before the attack of the enemy. Because, you know, sometimes the, the, when the enemy comes to attack, we try to, like, start building our wall then. Like, as soon as the enemy strikes with temptation, it feels like we start to try to build our wall then. But what happens in that is that we often fall into temptation and in, in, into his temptations because we've started the process of rebuilding then. That for Nehemiah, if he would have started to build the wall as soon as he saw the people coming, then the people ultimately would have been led in because they had not started building the wall yet. They had remained vulnerable to it. But for Nehemiah and for you and I, before the attack of the enemy comes, it's important that we begin to construct the wall in our life that's able to protect us from the deception, from the lies of our enemy. Because ultimately, we can't say to the enemy, or we can't say to the enemy, okay, I'm going to do this out of my own strength and say no to the enemy. Because I don't know about you, but every time that I fall into the enemy's temptations, it's not because the Lord didn't provide me with strength, but it's because I relied on my own strength to try to say no. But that's never the case. That, every time that happens, and every time I go out of a place of, trying to find the strength in my own heart and find the strength in my own willpower, then I always fall into his temptation. Um, Jesus, going back to Matthew 4, what does Jesus do when the, the enemy comes to tempt him in the wilderness? He says, it is written. Three times. He says, it is written, man will not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. That before the attack had come from the enemy, Jesus had already built up his wall. 
He didn't just try to do it in the midst of the enemy and start doing it as soon as the enemy came to tempt him, but he had devoted himself to the scriptures. He was scripture. And so when the enemy came, he stood against it and said, it is written. And for you and I, that has to be the same mindset that we have walking in this life. Because ultimately we know we are in the world, but we're not of the world. And so we don't conform to worldly patterns, but we become transformed through the renewing of our minds. Um, I think the psalmist says in Psalm 119 that I've hidden my word in my, or in my heart so that I may not sin against you. When the word of the Lord begins to be something that is hidden in our hearts, then there becomes this transformation in my mind. There becomes this, this transformation in your mind to begin to align ourselves with what God desires for you and I. And so if we go back to verse 18, um, something else that we're able to notice here is that Nehemiah didn't try to build the wall. and his, well, Nehemiah and his men didn't try to build the wall with their own strength. But it says their hands were strengthened to do this good work. That ultimately, um, if you go and read the rest of the story of Nehemiah, and I highly encourage you to because it is a really, really, really good story. Um, in a really good book, I think I timed myself and it was like 20 minutes to read it. So just find 20 minutes, read Nehemiah. It will literally open your eyes to so much. But if you go on and read, it took the men 52 days to end up building the wall. A little under two months, okay? Oh, my dad's going to hurt me for saying this. It takes my, it hasn't, or, okay, I need to watch what I say. Okay, I need to watch what I say. It's taken my dad more than 52 weeks to, to renovate the bathroom, okay? Let alone 52 days. It's taken him more than 52 weeks. It's still a renovation in progress. He's going to come in here and hurt me. You, do you have those people in your life that, like, they'll start a project and then they just don't finish it? Like, th- th- you know, it happens. But for Nehemiah, they got done rebuilding the wall in 52 days. For us, it's a little under two months, that this wall was constructed not out of the strength of their own hands or not out of the strength of their own willpower, but out of the one that strengthened them to go and do this very work that, that God had lain upon his heart. And so their hands were strengthened. Just as their hands were strengthened, our hands have to be strengthened by the strengthener himself to stand against the tactics of the enemy and to step into the work that God has for each and every one of our lives. Um, Matthew, or Jesus tells us this in Matthew 19, 26. He says, says, Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. That there are things for you and I that are simply not possible to do in our own strength in our own willpower, in our own ability, in our own capacity. But when we look to the Lord to strengthen us in those areas, then, we're, then the things that are impossible to do in our own strength are made possible to do in His. So one of the biggest things that we have to do in fighting off our enemy is to construct the walls to protect ourselves against the flaming arrows that He'll try to shoot. Because for those of us in Christ, we know that even though we're in Christ, 
that the attacks of the enemy do not stop. That they're, they're not going to, all of a sudden, as soon as I pr- profess my faith and love and belief in Christ Jesus and, Jesus and repent from my sins, then the enemy's not just going to say, okay, well, I'm done attacking you. Like, it's, that's just not the case. The enemy's going to continue to attack and try to shoot flame, the, flaming area, the flaming arrows at us. Um, Ephesians 6 talks about that. But that even in the midst of that, in the midst of his deception and lies that he tries to tempt us with, how we have power through the power that God's given us through his Holy Spirit to say no to those things and to say yes to the Lord. And so with man, things are impossible. In our own strength, things will not ever happen like we want them to. Like, I can say that I'm going to not give in to this temptation, or I can say that I'm not going to let this anxiety allow itself inside of my mind. But if I'm not continually trying to find strength in that from the Lord, then I'm ultimately going to give into it. Jesus tells us in John 15 that apart from us, we can do no thing. That Jesus says, you will bear much fruit in me, but apart from me, you can do nothing. So when the Lord begins to strengthen us, when we allow that strength to come, then we're able to stand against the, the tactics of our enemy. Then the process of constructing the walls, building our lives upon the foundation of Scripture, begins to occur. But it comes with first identifying our vulnerabilities and where we need to grow, and then constructing the walls to grow, to withstand, and to protect ourselves from the enemy. So the first thing is identify our vulnerabilities. The second thing is to begin to construct the walls. And we're going to go to Nehemiah 7 and see what happens once the wall is constructed. Um, so you, from Nehemiah 3 to Nehemiah 7, you know, the wall gets constructed. Even though they face much opposition, and many influences that tried to come in and crumbled and tried to um, infiltrate the, the city so that the walls would crumble again, the wall is built. But just because the wall was built didn't mean they stopped guarding it from being attacked. So let's read. When the wall had been rebuilt and I had the doors installed, the gatekeepers, singers, and Levites were appointed. Then I put my brother Hanani in charge of Jerusalem, along with Hananiah, commander of the fortress, because he was a faithful man who feared God more than most. I said to them, do not open the gates of Jerusalem until the sun is hot and let the doors be shut and securely fastened while the guards are on duty. Station the citizens of Jerusalem as guards some at their post, and some at their homes. So the process of building the wall didn't just stop as soon as they built the wall. But as soon as they had that wall built, a new process arose of guarding what they had built. Because if they didn't guard it, then ultimately the influences would be let in and the wall would crumble from within once again. And so for you and I, that's why... Proverbs 4.23 is so important, that we guard our hearts 
against things that might try to come in and try to crumble us down from the inside out. So it says it, let the doors be shut and securely fastened while the guards are on duty. So the third thing that once the wall is built in our lives, once we've built it on the foundation of Scripture and through prayer and meditation in the Lord, that it's continually being built, then the access point to which we're allowing the word of the Lord in has to be guarded. So the third thing we must begin to do is to guard our gates. It's to guard the gate of our hearts. Um, this summer and pretty much the past four or five summers, I've been cutting a lot of yards here and there. Um, just got a little push mower, you know, just trying to make a little bit of extra money. And I can remember one yard this year that I cut. And, you know, I cut it. You get home. Like, you get home from work. And can I just get an amen in here? You don't feel like doing anything. Like, you just feel like propping your feet up and just doing nothing. And so that was me. That, I just wanted to go inside, go get a shower, go eat, and just go to sleep. Like, it was just one of those nights. But before I could do that, I had to do the dreaded process of unloading my truck of all my tools. Like, that, that, that's just not, it's not fun. Fun fact in that, I eventually started paying Andy to unload my truck. That shows my laziness, I guess. But, you know, you're welcome, Andy. Anyways... I started to unload my truck one night and you know, started putting all the tools in the, in the shed. And I got to the lawnmower and I got to the, the gas jug and I was just like, I am not putting this in the, I'm not putting this in the shed. Like I am just not going to try to just walk some more to the shed and try to lift this thing up there. Like I'm just going to just push it in the yard. Like it's fun. It's, nothing's going to happen to it. Like I'm just going to stick it in the yard and just not worry about it. So about, let's see, two or three weeks later, you know, I get a call. The, uh, the man and woman need their yard cut again. So I figure, okay, load my stuff up, go cut their yard. So I get there, and I pour the gas in the tank, um, crank the lawnmower, begin to cut. About 10, 15 seconds gets in, and the lawnmower goes dead. It goes, it, 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 it don't just go dead, it go D-E-D dead. Like, it's... It ain't running. So I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> this is not good. And mind you, I'm not a mechanic. Like, okay, we're just finding out. I'm not a mechanic. I'm not an engineer. I'm not a builder. I I'm not a man of jack, or I'm not a jack of all trades. So I really don't need to be making fun of dad because when the time comes and something messes up at my future house, I'm going to need him. So that's probably not a good idea, Tanner. But the lawnmower does not work. So I'm, figuring, I'm thinking to myself, okay, this is not good. So I crank it again. Lawnmower doesn't crank. After about 30 pulls, I give up. I'm just like, yeah, it's, it's, it's dead. But, you know, and, you know, dad comes and helps me fix it. And uh, an hour passes, and the yard eventually gets cut. Praise the Lord. Yard got cut, got paid. We move on. But looking back on that, what had happened was that for the gas jug and for the, and for the lawnmower, I had not put it in a place of protection. Because the rain that, you know, I think this summer, there was a week in which we just got, it just did not stop raining. And I think that was actually the week that my lawnmower messed up, which it's crazy in and of itself. That, that's the Lord rebuking me. But the lawnmower or the gas jug had gotten water inside of it. And so when I poured the gas into the, the tank, 
then water and gas had mixed up. And when water and gas mix, that ain't a good combination. So my intention was not that I, my intention was not that I would be trying to help dad for an hour crank the lawnmower. Because if it was, then I would have been smart enough to put my lawnmower and put the gas jug in the shed. And so what had happened was I had not taken the time to protect it from what would be harmful to it, from what would be detrimental to it. So if I would have just taken the time to, to protect it, my lawnmower wouldn't have been messed up. But anyways, off that story, why do I tell you that? It's because for our lives today, a lack of intention to guard the gate to our hearts will often lead you and I to fall into the sin that we don't intend to do. Because, I mean, most of us don't wake up in the morning with the intention to just go out and sin. That for those of us in Christ, we don't just wake up and we're just like, hey, I'm just going to choose to do this, and I know this is wrong, but I'm going to choose to do that. But how does sin enter? It enters through deception. That even if it's not the intention of our hearts to, to sin, if the, if the gate is not guarded from what will lead to that, then eventually that will flow out of our actions. Because what's allowed to come in will eventually flow back out. What goes up must come down. What goes in will come out. So if what's coming into my life is that of jealousy, jealousy is going to come out. If, if it's that of envy, enviness is going to come out. Whatever's allowed into my life will flow out. And so if I'm filling my life with the word of the Lord, then the fruit of the Spirit is going to be flowing out of my actions. But it, Because it's what we filter in. It's what we choose to allow ourselves to indulge in and choose to allow in that will determine whether the, ball, the walls that we've built crumble or if they withstand. Because I can build the walls up but if I'm allowing what's going to be detrimental to the walls, then the wall is going to crumble down. If I put the dog, if the dog is in the fence, but I find a bear and I allow a bear in the, not, not bear the dog, uh, bear, just a regular grizzly bear into the fence, then that dog probably is not going to withstand the chance. But if I'm withstanding against the enemy's tactics by guarding the gate, then the walls are not going to crumble, and you and I will be able to withstand the attacks of the enemy, even when his attacks seem um, enticing. Even when it seems enticing to go the route of him, and it's not even our intention to, if I'm allowing myself into the word of the Lord and guarding myself against things that will crumble it from the inside down, then I'll, made, I'll be made strong in the eyes of the Lord, filled with his strength to stand against the tactics of the enemy. Um, I want to end today with just a verse in 2 Corinthians, and it talks about just how God's grace empowers us. That, you know, for most of us know that God's grace gives us the opportunity to overcome our sin. But it does something else in that, and it empowers us to overcome sin. It empowers us to go out and be strengthened in this world. So 2 Corinthians 12, 
it says this, or verse 9, it says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, I will more, most gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may reside in me. So, God's grace is sufficient. God's grace is able to empower us. That even though the attacks loom, that the grace of the Lord, being strengthened by the Holy Spirit, empowers us to stand against what will try to infiltrate us, what will try to to, uh, crumble us down. So, verse 10. So I take pleasure in weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and in difficulties for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When I come to a point of realizing that I can't do it by myself, that I can't do it out of any capacity or any strength of mine, when I come to that place of calling out to the Lord and asking for his strength, then I'm made strong. Because it's for when I am weak in the flesh that I'm made strong through the Spirit. So, for when I am weak, when I've come to the point of which I I say, God, I can't guard this gate by myself. I can only do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. Then I'm made strong to go and do that very thing. So, the, the things that Nehemiah did in identifying the vulnerabilities in constructing the walls, and in guarding the gates, not only apply to the wall that was built in Jerusalem, but has the ability and has the power to apply to us today. So, to end, I came across this quote um, a few days ago, and I wasn't sure if I was going to go and say it, um, but the Holy Spirit's just leading me in this direction. Um, Let me find it. Google is not my friend. Okay. John Wesley, who was a famous 18th century theologian, once said this. He said, if I had 300 men who feared nothing but God, hated nothing but sin, and were determined to know nothing among men but Jesus Christ and him crucified, I would set the world on fire. That for you and I, maybe 50 of us in this room, that as a church, as a collective unit, but also as individuals coming to form that collective unit, if there's nothing more that we hate than sin itself, nothing more that we hate than to see sin creep into our lives and come out through our actions, if there's nothing more to us than fearing the Lord, being being in awe of who he is, revering whom for who he is, for all that he has done to save us, and wanting nothing more than to know Christ and him crucified. That just as what Paul said in Philippians 3.10, that it was his goal to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. If that's our same desire as well, then as the collective unit, as the body of Christ, then we're able to go out and make a difference, not only in our community, not only in the city of Greenville, but also in the county and in the state and in the entire nation 
and also in the world. That if, it, if that's our goal, if that's what we focus on, if that's what we set our eyes toward, being strengthened through his strength and being not led astray by the deception of the enemy, but identifying where we're vulnerable, constructing the walls against him, and guarding the gate, then we're made strong to go out and to do this very thing. God wants us to become a people who reach the lost, a people who minister to those who need ministering unto. That He wants to do something in you and I, but he also wants to see something done in those who don't yet know him. And so for you and I, that's our responsibility is to go out and to, just as what the Great Commission says, to make disciples of all nations. And if that's our goal, if that's our mindset, which is to hate sin, to know Christ and him crucified, and to fear nothing but the Lord himself, then that's what we're able to do. So let's pray. Dear Lord, we just thank you, God, just for all that you are. God, we just thank you for the strength that you give us as as each day progresses. God, we thank you for what you have already given to us. Father, you've given unto us new life. You've given unto us a chance to be forgiven from our sins, a chance to step into the new life that you have called us into. God, we just thank you for this. We thank you that we've been brought out of darkness into your wondrous light. God, we just pray right now that we just become people who are vigilant against what we allow into our hearts. God, we become people who guard ourselves against those things that try to tempt us and lead us astray. But Lord, just as Nehemiah did, Father, that we identify where we're vulnerable in. We identify where we need your strength. We identify areas in which we're weak, God. Because it's when we realize that, Lord, when we ask you to just strengthen us in those areas. God, when we come to you in a place of humility, just knowing that what we, what we need, we cannot do, but you can. Lord, we just pray that by the power of your spirit, it empowers us to go out and to just guard ourselves against the things of this world. To guard ourselves against things that will try to conform us or things that will try to deceive us, but that we are renewed by you. Lord, we are brought out of the darkness into your light to become that light for the world. So, Father, we just pray that we're people and we become people who just guard ourselves against the tactics of the enemy, who build our walls based upon the foundation of your very word. Jesus, you say in Matthew 7, that everyone who hears your word and puts it into practice is like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. Lord, we know that your word is the rock. It is the firm foundation to build our life upon. So, Father, we just pray for strength to do that very thing, to not allow what will crumble our walls in, but to recognize that we have the authority to say no to those things through being empowered by your spirit. If anyone out there with every head bowed and every eye closed, 
if that's your desire today, um, to begin, or maybe not even to begin, but to continue to building those walls in your own life, to guarding the gates against the enemy, and to identifying where you're vulnerable in, so that we may begin to experience the freedom that Christ has bought, bought for us. If that's just you, can you just raise your hand? I just want to pray. Amen. Amen. I see your hands. Amen. My hand's up with you. Lord, you see our hands, God. You see us submitting to you because we know that this is not something that can be done through our own strength. But it can only be done, Lord, through yours. It can only be done when we come to you and say, Lord, I am weak. Lord, I, I, I'm nothing without you. So, Father, make me more like you. Make me more in love with you daily, Lord. Help me to fall more in love with your word and help me to fall more, more in love with communicating with, with you, Lord. Lord, when that's the posture of our hearts, you promise to come in and strengthen us, to be able to stand firm in a world that opposes truth and to go out and be proclaimers of truth ourselves. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for bringing us to this place to learn more about you. Lord, we just ask that as we go out this week, Father, that we, we, we remain vigilant on what we allow in because we know that what, in what we allow in, it has the ability to come back out. And then the intake of Scripture, the intake of your holy word, your God-breathed, sent word begins to infill our hearts. And that through our communication with you, God, we begin to be empowered to go out and to live in the ways in which you desire and you command for us to live. We thank you for this. We thank you for everything that you've given us, everything that you've saved us for, and everything that you've promised us. Lord, it's in your mighty, and it's in your precious, and it's in your wonderful name, I pray. And everyone said, amen.